Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Connor O'Gara of Saturday Down South. Connor, as always, man, appreciate you joining us. How are you doing this afternoon? Yeah, doing well, guys. You know, I, I'm. I feel like you know, spring football is a place where takes can run amok, and I'm just just trying to stay grounded right now. I'm trying not to let anything get too ridiculous. I don't want to get cold takes or something I see in a spring game, but I mean, it'll probably happen. Well, see, and that's kind of the funny thing that uh, I always feel about when it comes to spring football is it's like I jokingly said on Twitter after I watched the scrimmage for Arkansas last week, I was like, oh, Arkansas is going 12 and 0 for sure after watching that. And, you know, some people were just like, okay, pump the brakes, pal. I was like, okay, yeah, it's it's like, yeah, we that, it's it's the absurdity of spring football where it's good to like, hear from coaches. It's good to see some, like, newcoming players come in and, and see how they're fitting in and all that. But when the grand scheme of things, though, I mean, you can't really take anything away from spring practice, can you? Well, John, can I uh, – do I have your permission to fire off a uh, hog by 90 tweet uh, on Saturday? Absolutely you do, 100%, and see if you get the same response I did. <laughs> <laughs> Look, man, I, I there's something to be said for it. Um, there are a lot of guys that we we don't really get to see a ton of. Um, I, I think a, a guy like Robbie Ashford, the Auburn quarterback, is a great example of like why that matters and why – this time of year is actually important. He comes from Oregon, two years there where he didn't play a snap. He was playing baseball in the spring. He goes to Auburn. Brian Harson recruits him to come there and compete for the starting job. We actually get it's like we're like, oh hey, this actually, this could be more promising than TJ Finley or Zach Calzada. So it, we see guys like that, and to me, like that, that's where it matters. But where this can quickly, you know, we, we can quickly kind of get, get ahead of ourselves is if we're seeing a freshman receiver make a few catches. And then all of a sudden we're like, oh, he's destined for greatness. Like I'm, I'm having to calm down A&M fans who are freaking out over Evan Stewart right now. Like Last year I was calming down Alabama fans who are freaking out about a Jai Hall. And then a year later, a Jai Hall is in the transfer portal. Like This is just the way that it goes sometimes. So I am looking forward to, to all of these spring games on Saturday, not complaining about action and getting to see some of these teams like play in a, a pseudo game, if you will. But – yeah, just uh, just trying to stay grounded as much as possible, man. Connor, you mentioned a few things there. Uh, what's more intriguing for the spring? You know, some of the storylines, team situations. You mentioned Auburn there, A and M, uh, LSU, and some of the new coaches. What's what's really intriguing? What's piqued your interest from spring? I, I always I always find myself interested in quarterback battles. I mean, that, that's where to me, like my my eyes automatically go. It's it's hard to gauge some of these defensive performances when guys aren't really going kind of full throttle, you know, in the way that they're hitting or, you know, guys are wearing non-contact jerseys or something like that. But I do think the quarterback stuff is pretty interesting in places like A&M, places like Auburn, where we've already kind of seen what some of these guys look like side by side. A lot of LSU, man, like LSU brings in all of these transfers, I mean, some of which from the state of Arkansas didn't need to necessarily open up that wound, but like we're seeing a very new roster, a very new situation in place like LSU with Brian Kelly. What's this offense going to look like with Jaden Daniels, with Miles Brennan? What, what are they going to be able to do with tailback? Are they going to be able to actually have an offensive line this year, which they lacked for most of last year? Like these things that I think we'll, we'll get some sort of clarity with. I want to see, you know, what does Jameer Gibbs do at, at Alabama in terms of the non-quarterback storylines, the Georgia Tech running back transfer that they have really, really high expectations of. So 
I, I think that, you know, mostly it, it is quarterback battles kind of seeing that separation, but there are a few other guys. And with the transfer portal, just seeing some of these new faces, Jaden Hazelwood, there's another guy that I'm looking forward to being able to see. Just getting, getting to see some of these guys with their new teams, I think, is always is always uh, worthy of, of, of my time and attention during a time of year in which we're usually not dialed in like this. One, it's so fascinating, too, because we know Transfer Portal has been around for a few years now, but every year it, it just it changes and it, get, it increases, and we know that some rules have been put into place where, you know, the sitting out of a ye- for years no longer a thing. And, you know, it's almost, like, tough to keep up with. Like, even for Arkansas, uh, you know, they lost some some key guys, some guys in the secondary. We know they lost Traylon Burks and everything. But it's almost where you're, like, specifically using Arkansas as an example. It's where Razorback fans and other people are like, yeah, you lost Traylon Burks, this big-time, once-in-a-generation type talent. You got a few guys in the secondary going missing, your defensive line all left, some of your linebackers left. But because of what they had in the transfer portal, a lot of Razorback fans are like, yeah, we'll be fine. We're going to pick up right where we left off last year because as long as we got KJ, as long as we got the offensive line, some other pieces here and there, we're going to be just fine. It seems like the transfer portal has just changed everything where the rebuilding isn't as often as it is just reloading for certain teams. Yeah, think about what Ole Miss would look like if the transfer portal didn't exist. I mean, Ole Miss had their entire backfield basically gone. You had Jerry Neely and Snoop Connor go to the NFL. You had Henry Parrish go to Miami. Oh, by the way, you lost Matt Corral. Oh, by the way, you lost your top two receivers. Like, think about if Lane was just like, ah, oh, yep, just we got we got to just rely on, on high school talent and hope to develop them and bring them up. It's like, well, no, you don't want to do that. You don't want to do that after you just had – your best regular season in program history. You don't want to feel like, oh, man, we're going to go back to winning six games. Instead, he's able to go out and get Jackson Dart from USC. He goes into the transfer portal, gets Zach Evans from TCU, Ulysses Bentley, the the running back from SMU. Like They're adding pieces left and right because why wouldn't you? I mean, J.J. Pegues, a guy from Auburn, or a guy who started off his career at Auburn, who's from Oxford, that Lane was really frustrated to miss out on initially. Instead, he goes into the portal and he's able to get him and he's going to add some immediate help on that defensive line, which they're going to need. So, like, you're exactly right. Programs like Ole Miss, like Arkansas, South Carolina is another one as well. I think these teams who, instead of relying on developing talent, kind of waiting maybe a year or two and having that frustrating kind of gap year, are instead like, hey, we, we don't need to have a gap year. We can just recruit and replace that talent immediately. National champions Georgia, Stetson Bennett, he's established himself at quarterback. JT Daniels leaves. So what's the backup situation at Georgia looking like now that JT Daniels is out of mix, and uh, what are they doing this spring? Well, if you ask Georgia fans, they'd say the backup situation is Stetson Bennett. Um, it's not. <laughs> it's, it's absolutely not. Like he's, he's a starter. You'd want an national championship. When you get to end the 1980 jokes, uh, yeah, you're QB1 for week one. Whether that means he's the guy for the entire year, TBD on that. But as of right now, Georgia fans are, are saying that because they are excited about the backup situation. That's why JT Daniels wasn't seen as some like massive loss for, for a lot of Georgia fans because you bring back Brock Vandegrift, a guy who was a five-star recruit coming in last year, and it's just built like a tank. I mean, it's, it's very advanced physically and is a really good fit to run the Todd Munkin offense. And then Carson Beck, who enters year three, a guy who was a, a decorated, you know, decorated recruit and really showed out well, I thought, in the spring game last year. And the, the takeaway from the spring game was, wow, he's ready to be a backup quarterback entering his second season. And then we find out that, that Stetson Bennett was, was actually going to be the backup for JT Daniels. And then, you know, the rest is kind of history. But they're actually feeling good about their backup situation. And, you know, I, I think that's the, the thing that Georgia fans have been 
kind of anxiously awaiting is, are one of these guys going to transfer? Are we going to lose a Carson Beck? Are we going to lose a Brock Vandegrift? If they do, I think their, uh, their entire feeling about this quarterback situation will be a little bit different. Speaking with Connor O'Gara of Saturday Down South here on Out of Bounds, talking a little spring football with him as well. Yeah, that that's the fascinating thing when just looking at uh, all the SEC teams and you know people are coming out with quarterback rankings and all of those things. And I've seen some uh, some hot takes and some lists that maybe I agree or disagree with or whatever it may be. But we're not about the quarterbacks. Bryce Young, I think everyone has to have him as number one in the SEC. I mean, he won the Heisman Trophy last year. You're going to have him as number one. But where do you think K.J. Jefferson, the Arkansas quarterback, which really surprised a lot of people in his first year as a starter, where do you think he lines up as far as the quarterbacks in the SEC, not only guys that are new, but also guys that transferred into the conference from this past season? Yeah, that makes it complicated. It really does. It's so hard to judge. I mean, there are so many fan bases that are really upset, and I found I was reminded of that yesterday when I had my entire 1-14 through quarterback ranking tweeted out. Um, and I had K.J. at three. And I feel good about that. I had Hooker at two, KJ at three, Will Rogers at four, Spencer Rather at five. I probably got the most heat about Spencer Rather, to be honest with you, because of the exact point that you just brought up. Like, how do you value a guy that hasn't necessarily faced an entire season of SEC competition versus the guys who have? And at the same time, it's like, well, you know, there are a lot of people who, who forget that Spencer Rather, while he was disappointing last year, still wasn't a terrible quarterback. And in the latter half of 2020, he was easily one of the five best quarterbacks in all of college football. So I don't want to necessarily discount that. And that's why I have him in my top five. But if you look at quarterback rankings, you're going to be upset this year. Depth is unprecedented in the SEC at the quarterback position. Part of that is because you've got a returning Heisman Trophy winner. That's a huge part of it. But there are guys one through 11. I mean, legit one through 11 in the SEC who I, if you told me at season's end they're going to be a top 10 quarterback in all college football, I'd say, yep, I, I could believe that. That is how good and how deep the conference is at the most important position. So all these fan bases are really upset. Like, I think Will Levis is one of the better quarterbacks in the country. I have him at number seven in my rankings. It is that deep this year, and that's just kind of the way it's going to be. So for KJ to be at number three, that's a testament to what he did and the way that he was able to kind of improve and, and make some significant strides, I thought, in his first year as a starter. How do you feel about what Arkansas is doing and uh, kind of experimenting with some packages, putting backup quarterback Malik Hornsby on the field at the same time with K.J. Jefferson? Yeah, I like it. Um, look, they're very different players. They are. Um, you, you saw that in, in stretches last year, especially that A&M game where you're like, man, they're, they, they, both can, they both can make guys miss in, in the open field, but they do it in such a different way. And I, I like that. I don't like a two-quarterback system necessarily. I, I'm not saying that Malik needs to all of a sudden be taking significant reps in, in the first quarter or anything like that. I think that is a really tricky thing to do, and you take your quarterback out of rhythm when you do that. But there's there's got to be some sort of way to get him involved. And even if that's as simple as, like, you're up 17 points late in the third quarter, bring in Malik. Bring, in, bring him in in those spots instead of having K.J taking some of these hits because if you're going to be ground heavy anyways, why not have Malik be involved in that way? If you're playing ball control football, which that, that, that was the philosophy we saw last year. Let's see what he can do. And if it's a way to kind of keep him engaged, keep him involved, prevent him from transferring, which I know that was, that was a rumor of concern for a bit. Then so be it. Like that would be the way that I would try and go about it and understanding that you're trying to maximize your offense potential and keep both of those guys involved because I think both of them have ways to contribute. 
just not necessarily in a two-quarterback system. I'll say this too, uh, Connor. The, the fascinating thing about uh, a lot of these teams that are in the SEC is just, you know, they they all got their own specific storylines and, you know, what what certain teams and, and roster movements and changes and all those things have been going on too. But as far as some of the new coaches that are in the SEC, you know, you got Florida, you got LSU, you got some other guys. Who, who do you think is kind of going to be the first-year coach that has the best transition in his first year or at least has the most success in his first year? I think it's LSU, um, and that's that's not saying a ton. Uh, they're in really similar positions, but I, I think LSU having more success in the transfer portal is going to to pay off for them in, in year one of the Brian Kelly era. I mean, Billy Napier was saying as recently as like two weeks ago, "Hey, we need players. <laughs> you know, we, we still need guys. I mean, they can't even get to practice right now in scrimmage with the, the depth issues that they're having." Um, Anthony Richardson is is a fantastic wild card not just in the SEC, but in all of college football. I'm looking forward to seeing what he's going to do with Billy Napier, somebody who is known for limiting his quarterback's mistakes. We need to see Anthony Richardson do that. But, yeah, I would still give LSU the edge. I think that Brian Kelly's done a really nice job of being able to kind of restore that roster a little bit. And They're going to look, obviously, way different than anything that we saw in 2019, of course. It's very much a different era of LSU football, but I think offensive line play is going to be improved. I'm pretty high on their ground game as well with John Emery and Noah King, the transfer from Penn State. So uh, I would give LSU a slight edge, but I don't necessarily think LSU is like going to a New Year's Six Bowl or anything like that this year. Connor, outside the SEC, you tweeted out a funny pick yesterday that it happened to be Duke, Georgia Tech, and your caption was, folks, that ain't a spring game. So we're talking about spring, and sometimes you'll have big crowds at games and other times not so much, but – this was a regular season game between Duke and Georgia Tech, and nobody was there. It's unbelievable, man. Like I, I was actually watching uh, Jameer Gibbs highlights, and I'm, I'm like trying to find all, you know, all these instances in which you're seeing a running back for a three-win team like take over in the game, and that was on a long catch that he had against Duke, and he did this aerial shot. I'm looking at the crowd. I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. This was, this was regular season, right? This wasn't like some scrimmage. That happened in, in the ACC that I just missed, or something like that. No, that was uh, that was an early October game in Duke. That's uh, that's how quickly Duke fans were kind of over it. Uh, moving on to basketball season, moving on to Coach K's farewell year. But uh, my guy Mike Elko is going to do big things at Duke. I, I don't think they're going to have crowds like that this year. I think he's going to bring uh, some much needed excitement to that program this year. Now, I, I hate to phrase this because you never want to see anyone lose their jobs, and I think I know the obvious answer for this one, but we know that in the SEC, all 14 coaches staying from one year to the next is next to impossible. It's a very slim chance. Next year, I feel like the answer is Brian Harson as far as the guy that may not be the, the, there the year after this, but is there any other coach you feel like has got a lot of pressure or maybe on the hot seat or anything like that in the SEC? Yeah, Brian Harson's the obvious one. If I was picking today, I would say that there's going to be one SEC head coach fired, and it would be Brian Harson, just because I think he needs a top 15 season to keep his job. And despite my my growing intrigue of Robbie Ashford, I still look at that quarterback room and think none of those guys are leading a top 15 season in the SEC. Just not going to happen. But um, there's another one that isn't really getting talked about a lot, and I, I'm very interested in, in the way that this develops. Mike Leach at Mississippi State. He has not gotten a, a contract extension yet. Four-year deal is the max in the state of Mississippi. That means he has two years left on his deal. They could fire him after this year if an extension is not agreed upon and pay him $5 bucks to walk away. That's it. 
Like if all if, if everything kind of falls apart this year and it falls off the rails and it's just ugly, and they're the team that kind of bears the brunt in the SEC West and it's just bad, don't sleep on that possibility. John Cohen fired my guy Joe Moorhead after two years. Mike Leach hasn't even been as good as Joe Moorhead yet. So um, and that's one to kind of keep your eye on because I was expecting that extension to come that that you know have a year tacked on to, to the end of the, of the deal, but. We have uh, we have not seen that yet, so that's one to just kind of keep keep in the back of your mind if if teams like Arkansas are beating up on Mississippi State this year. What have been the biggest off season moves as far as transfer portal that has caught your interest in the SEC? Oh man, uh, yeah, Jameer Gibbs is is a really big one. I mean, he he very well could lead the SEC in rushing this year. Um, I, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility at all. Uh, you know, I, I think that we look at a guy like Eli Ricks at, at Alabama. I didn't want to just make this an Alabama thing, but Eli Ricks is perhaps the best cornerback in all of college football, and he's going from LSU to, to Alabama, a guy who was better than Derek Stingley when they were on the field together and is now going to have an opportunity to just kind of turn heads and, and be a, a true lockdown guy in the way Patrick Sertan was a couple of years ago, but um, I, I'm really interested in Jackson Dart. Uh, I'm looking forward to kind of seeing what the USC transfer does in Lane Kiffin's offense, which no longer has Jeff Levy, who's off to Oklahoma. But, yeah, I want to see what he's able to do. Showed a lot of promise as a true freshman, kind of a, just a strange year uh, for the Trojans. So I, I'm looking forward to seeing that. And then the Zach Evans story. I make the joke all the time. If you Google Zach Evans' name and attach any Power 5 school with it, you'll get some sort of search result. Like that's how wild his recruitment was. So I'm looking forward to kind of seeing what he's able to do in an offense that has just cranked out prolific rushing attacks. I think he's going to have a really big year for Lane. All right. Last one for what you get out of here, Connor. Uh, you, I tell you that Alabama and Georgia do not play either one of them in the SEC championship game next year. Who would be your guesses as to who those teams were if it's not Alabama and Georgia? Oh man, that is really tough because I think I think the number two spots right now in both divisions you're kind of like, ugh, there is a, a very very distant second. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say A and M, and I don't feel good about that at all. Um, I'm gonna say A and M. No, what? No, I, I take that back. I'm gonna say Arkansas. I'm gonna say Arkansas. <laughs> I can't go with A and M because look, I've been telling everybody who's got A and M at number four, they're way too early polls. I'm like, did you not see what they lost from their defensive side of the ball? Like, they're going to have, like, six guys get drafted. The Marvin Leal, like, their entire defensive line is gone. They, they have a new defensive coordinator as well. I have no idea what the quarterback situation is going to look like between King and Max Johnson. Like, they have big question marks all over the place. They are not worthy of being a preseason top four team. I, I would take Arkansas. If Arkansas can take that next step, can have more depth in the passing game. I know Traylon Burks being gone is a huge question mark, but if they can have more guys step up, it's not just, oh, one receiver that KJ gets locked in, that's the next step that he can take, then Arkansas can take that next step. We already know that they played Alabama really competitively last year, and I think that could set up, but obviously Alabama's going to be the overwhelming favorite, probably the unanimous preseason number one team in all of college football. Well, you just gained a few more followers out of the state of Arkansas after that comment, I can tell you that, Connor. But, uh, hey, man, we appreciate it as always coming on with us, man. Enjoy spring practice and spring games this weekend. We'll catch up with you later, all right? Absolutely. Appreciate it, guys.